0: Welcome listeners to a brand new bonus episode of Oh My Word podcast. And today we have an exciting guest with us. We have Ivy Burden, who is the author of the picture book, Creepy Mr. Snake, A Jungle Tale. So much to find out and much to ask about, but we're just gonna bring Ivy on. We'll find out all about it. So Ivy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Esther. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yay! We're very excited to have you. Let us get into it with... Why did you decide to write a picture book? Like, where did this even come from?
1: It started out as an idea, actually, because there's a social issue that I really wanted to address, and I felt like it's not represented in any of the education materials for early childhood development type of education. And so it's really... My book is really about child abuse, particularly child sexual abuse prevention. Wow. And what I've noticed was that there's just not a lot of materials out there to help parents, educators, guardians, social workers, to really talk to kids about awareness in a manner that is age appropriate, in a manner that's not threatening, and is also engaging and memorable. So then as I started writing the story, I realized that I really wanted this to be a picture book because I want the parents to have the ability to kind of go through the story that is authentic to them by looking at the pictures and narrating the story so in a way it's almost like their opportunity to broach the issue and talk about this very sensitive but important topic that their children can relate to and i think that pictures really helps with that so Mm -hmm. that's why i decided to write this story in a picture book format
0: that's just I think like I need to like sit on that for a moment when you say that you didn't see so many books about us, which I really don't think there are, is that because were you an educator at the time or some children of your own or some were you watching someone else's kids and reading books to them? Were you specifically yes. looking for it or yeah? So I'm
1: not an educator, but mm-hmm. I am a parent, so I'm also very concerned about this topic. I feel child abuse, in particular child sex abuse, is like an epidemic that plagues everyone. It plagues mm. not just communities, but it transcends religion, it transcends socioeconomic status, yeah. education gender. And I felt like many of people I know had experienced it at one form or another. I mean, obviously it varies in the severity, but I felt like, you know what, this issue can be avoided. If parents have the opportunity to talk to their kids about awareness, about like, okay, when you're feeling comfortable, what do you do? So then that really, you know, as a parent, that's one of my main concerns. I have a daughter and I want her to be protected. And then I realized, like, as I was looking at different books available out there, what I've noticed was that the ones that are available are very straightforward, direct to the point, And you know, it's almost like kind of scary. And I felt like at least from being a parent to my daughter and that type of, content doesn't really resonate or approach doesn't really resonate with her so then i'm like well there should be a book that makes it less threatening and less you know like in your face about it so the book itself is really colorful and it talks about three friends monkey toucan and frog that lives in the jungle and they're not gendered because i I felt really strongly about like not having the kids gendered because this issue affects All genders. So it's really about creating this story in a picture book format that just is more fun and lighthearted than even though the topic is really serious.
0: So would you say it's kind of aiming more for just awareness over fear? Is that sort of the idea of it?
1: Absolutely. It's really around awareness and empowerment over fear and anxiety. So I say anxiety is that because I feel like the parents are obviously really anxious about this issue. So when they approach the topic to their kids, the tendency is to kind of, you know, forewarn them, make the issue more scary and fear-based which is helpful as well in certain circumstances. But often than not, I feel like it's more palatable for kids and parents to address and and discuss the issue in a way that if it's not threatening and or it's not too serious.
0: Right. And then the idea to set it in the jungle with these animals, and it seems that the snake is the predator, as in not just the animal predator, but also, you know, what a human predator could be in this situation. Was that just because you're specifically looking to make it not with humans and to get like that, or like why was it the jungle and why not a yeah. tiger or something?
1: So I thought about that and I had it specifically the snake because then people always have the snake as the villain. So I kind of wanted <laughs> to play on that. But I wanted it to be a predator because there's two characters, there's two predator characters in the story. There's Mr. Snake and there's also Deputy Jaguar, okay. and they're both predators, but they don't act upon their instincts. At least Deputy Jaguar doesn't. And I wanted that comparison. And then, so the setting is in a jungle because I I wanted it to be inclusive. There's a lot of animals and creatures in a jungle, different sizes, different types. In other words, like I feel like this issue affects everybody. So I wanted to depict that in a jungle where all animals are affected. So the friends are, there's toucan, there's frog and monkey. As I mentioned earlier, they're not gendered, but they're good friends. And so they have this neighbor, Mr. Snake, who seems really nice, but then can like get into their personal space or talk to them in a way that they feel uncomfortable or slither mm-hmm. close to them that they feel uncomfortable. And it's about them feeling empowered to say something to their parents or to any adults that they trust, or knowing that like that's okay to feel uncomfortable and it's okay to stay away, or it's okay to say something. And Mr. Snake that sees them as food. So the reason why Mr. Sakes talks them is because he wants to eat them. So what's interesting about the story that was really important to me was not to sexualize it. So then it's almost like I wanted to preserve that innocence, but also to be really thoughtful about like, hey, if you feel this way, it's okay. And Mr. Snake wants to harm you, he wants to eat the kids. So therefore, stay away or be mindful or be able to detect the warning signs.
0: Was this based off of one or two particular stories that you had heard or you had read up about certain kinds of people and then kind of made a conglomerate character? No,
1: actually, this was something that I had imagined because I wanted to talk about the topic and thought about, like, okay, what would be the setting that I wanted it and what would be the like, how would I tell the story if the story was told to me like or if I wanted to tell the story of my daughter how would it resonate with her and so from that standpoint the story was created around making sure that like, it's not sexualized or you know like it's inclusive and I felt like when I was writing it I felt like the jungle would be the perfect setting for that and mm-hmm. a predator would be the perfect setting for that yeah. because the predator wants food wants to eat them and so from that standpoint I'm sure there's a lot of stories that are similar in the jungle and and about predators and harmful. But I think that, you know, like uh, in, in those stories also, like it's really, it resonates with the kids. And I thought that like telling that story, telling this particular story that way will also resonate.
0: And I saw also, I think the story is told in rhyme. Yes. So was that also, is that just the way it came to you or you consciously wanted to do it in rhyme?
1: It came to me in rhyme because I wanted it to be remembered, I felt like. And perhaps this is just my opinion. I, I don't really know. Everybody agrees with me, but I know that for me, what I remember is most is when things are melodic Yeah. and and I can remember it and then it's easier, like I can remember songs a lot faster than I would remember verses from, from a story, for example, or, or a book that I've read. So I wanted it to be a little bit more memorable. So kids can, can remember, but at least at least they could remember the rhyming part of it, if there's anything that they'd remember. That was purposely, rhyming was made to just ensure that it can be remembered easily.
0: And then, so once you did write the story, what was your next step to getting it published?
1: It was definitely a process for me because this is my first book and I'm not like a writer. In fact, my profession is in corporate and I'm not a writer, although I like books and I like reading and like um, telling stories, but it's not my profession. So it was definitely a process. So the next step for me was when I created my outline, I started playing with the storyline. And then once I developed it up to a certain point, I attended the Orange uh, County chapter of Society of Children's Books for Writers and Illustrators. joined the, the chapter because I, I wanted my story critiqued.
0: Okay. I wanted
1: feedback. So I spent a lot of time getting feedback and then making my revisions and getting more feedback to a point where right prior to us publishing the book, we did a focus group survey. And the reason for that is because the topic is so sensitive yeah. that we didn't want to be responsible with it. So we wanted to make sure that We talked to educators, parents, mental health workers We kind of just read through our stories and provide feedback. And so we did that. And we, in fact, surveyed 15 people and they provided really of thorough evaluation and provided good feedback. And then we went back and, in fact, we added one component that weren't in the original manuscript about grooming. Wow. I didn't think to add that. And then so one of the educators had highlighted that and then another a mental health children psychiatrist that had mentioned that as well. So then I added that to the story.
0: Oh, my goodness. I, I know why we're talking about this, but I almost can't believe why we're that we're talking about this. It's it's wow, it's so heavy. So after you had your focus groups, were you a little bit surprised by the process that once you started writing, how much going back to it, did you, had you expected any of that? Or was that kind of like, oh, wow, this is taking much longer than I envisioned that this sort of stuff takes?
1: Yeah, well, I somewhat expected it in the beginning that there was going to be iterations, that there was going to be some rewrite as feedbacks come in. But I didn't expect how long it took, but my collaborators and I were very, very serious about ensuring that we have the right message and present it in the most responsible way we can. And uh, to a point where I'm like, okay, I, I really need to add a new section and I may need to rewrite some of the words that I'm using because it's too threatening. So one mm-hmm. one word was brushing versus rubbing, like the snake rubbing up against the kids and yeah, you know, rubbing can be threatening. That to, to kind of change a certain word. It was one of those things that I, I didn't think about. Mm-hmm. But I received the feedback, and I acknowledged that, like, yeah, you're right, like, to to the person that provided the feedback, that, like, yeah, this is something that was an oversight. And so, so we were so happy that we got so many people interested in the story and, provide, and provided some really meaningful and thoughtful feedback and comments.
0: Yeah, well, so once you did get the feedback and the comments, you did all your rewrites, so what happens now? Did you have an illustrator at this point, or?
1: yeah. Initially, what I did was I had like my original story. Uh, So I developed my original story. And I had a manuscript for that. And then I worked with an illustrator from Norway, actually, I connected with him because my brother works with him. And and they're all in printing industry and publishing industry in Norway. And so I connected with him. And then I also wanted the book to be beautiful like i wanted it to be told a certain way and then so i called in and asked my friend who lives in la and she's a creative director and i said well can you help direct do the art direction for this project because we have an illustrator and there's my story although the illustrator is very talented i wanted the story to be told a certain way in a certain style i think that creative having creative director kind of provide that vision Mm -hmm. for how that story should be told is really important so those were my two collaborators so there were three of us working on the book so then After we worked with the illustrator, provided them guidance on how to like storyboard the whole thing and how to present the characters. And then we we went in on a series of, I socialized it to other people to provide feedback. And then we got the focus group involved. Once we got the feedback, Go, go back. Either I make revisions on the story itself and on the narration, or the illustrator and the creative director made changes on the illustration and the design. It was definitely involved. But I, I thought in the end, it was, we were all really pleased with the outcome and result of the book. And now we felt like the story is told in a certain way that we had envisioned it. So that was really rewarding.
0: So the focus group saw the text and the illustration together
1: correct but the illustration wasn't fully formed so it was mainly it wasn't like colorful like it was it was definitely the raw illustration because we realized that like there's going to be back and forth and we Mm -hmm. didn't want to go through a whole process of getting it at almost complete state and then having to go back and redid some of the characters or you know change the look and feel
0: yeah it just creates more unnecessary work that could have been yeah and then so after you did all that and you're at the point now where you're you're happy with the manuscript, you're happy with the illustrations, you got your feedback from the focus group, everything. So now what comes next?
1: In my corporate profession, I am a program manager. So then I approached this particular project, everything in a very project-oriented style. We had a timeline, we had milestones, we had like targets and stuff like that. So during this time, while you know we were trying to get feedback from others, from the external world, from parents and educators, and so on and so forth I was also separately working to look into the business side of it and and what I mean by that is I'm a self-published author I had wanted to purely do self-publishing from okay. scratch because I, I had wanted to carry out this project from start to finish with full control over like how I wanted the illustration and the design to look like and how I wanted that engagement with my collaborators to be. So then on the business aspect of it, I was also looking at, separately was looking at different printers. So what I was looking into that, I selected a printer in China and I selected printer in China through alibaba.com and they had a really extensive portfolio of books that they've printed from very reputable publishers. And so I felt comfortable that they were a good partner for us. So right after the book was completed, we immediately engaged the printer and the printer then provided a sample of what the book's going to look like. And then we ordered a certain quantity from them. And then that's where it went.
0: Just to reiterate, there was never a thought to query it. And you hadn't, even along the way, you didn't even contemplate that. It was from the outset, this was all going to be your project.
1: On my earlier manuscript, I did send it out to agents to see if I could go the traditional publisher route. You know, I sent it out to 70, actually. Um, (laughs) And unfortunately, a lot of them was like, you know, the story might be too heavy for us. This is outside of our style and and stuff like that. Also, too, like one agent had mentioned that, like, hey, just so you know, that when you go to the traditional route, your vision and how the story will be told, you will not have any control over that. And so then after that feedback, I'm realizing that, okay, but perhaps, you know, the traditional publisher route is not for me. First, because I didn't get a lot of excitement from the agents that I've but in addition... I'm also realizing that when a story is handed over to a traditional publisher, that I will have no of control beyond that. And I had a really clear vision about like how I want to tell the story because it's such a very sensitive and important subject.
0: Yeah. yeah. So now that you have the books, have you put together a marketing plan for yourself or just attend so- conferences? Yeah. How do you get out there?
1: Yeah, so I did have a marketing plan, and but it really is involved, right? And it really mm-hmm. requires capital. It requires investment, yeah. on not just financially, but time as well. So it, it's a process. So we're getting there, and and the way we're looking at marketing is we're looking at it in a few perspectives. We're looking at it from a perspective of how do we price our books in a oh, yeah. way that you wanted it affordable, but at the same time, like printing was really costly printing it was costly and we wanted to cover that cost but so from a price perspective we wanted to kind of get that squared away and we also looked into place where we're going to actually distribute what a distribution channel and what we realized was that like okay well we purchased 500 quantities and we've only sold 300 right now so i have 200 um, remaining and so then we can either look at from a distribution standpoint We can be, we're looking at this particular strategy the first strategy is that we want to be able to sell it on our website so that first to kind of like finish the remaining 200 quantity and then from that transition over to um, print on demand through mm-hmm. either Ingram Sparks or through Amazon Direct or so we're, we're looking at, at that from a distribution standpoint so right now we need to finish all of the inventory we have via our site. That's the distribution from a promotion standpoint. Right now what I'm doing is I'm doing conferences. So I attended a conference this July in Las Vegas, Mm. and it's a coast-to-coast Children's Book Expo. And participating in that conference was really cool because then I I got to know other authors and got to know their struggles, got to know their successes, and, and learned so much from them. But also during this conference, I got an award. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was the most creative children's book award. And so that was really cool. So then I realized, like, um, so I'm going to do, like, from a marketing or promotion standpoint, I'm going to do more, a lot of the roadshows similar to that. I also want to do a lot of book readings. So, I, I want to do that. I want to do more podcasts. And then I do have social media presence and I want to maybe work with a partner that can help us promote it in social media a lot more effectively because right now I'm doing it myself Mm -hmm. and I'm, not as consistent or my posts are not as compelling, I'm finding. So I think I need a professional to help me. So that is our approach. And then I'm also I submitted the book and a few self-published awards. So then hopefully and you know, and a lot of the awards because I submitted it this year, I think the selection process won't be until like beginning of next year. I'll have to wait at least the ones that I, I sent it out to that's really it. And one friend of mine works as a UN business advisor. And so he connected me to a senator here in Orange County who runs a nonprofit organization around child abuse prevention and support. so hopefully I wanna do some collaborations with nonprofit organizations that are already doing the work to you know, address the issue yes. of child sex abuse through prevention, but also through healing. And then what happens after the trauma and working with, with children that had experienced trauma like that. So those are just from a promotion standpoint, it's kind of, I know it's a lot, but I figured if you just get it started and, and get a plan going and carry it out one by one, it would be helpful. Those are just the things that I can remember that I'm, I'm doing, but there's so much work to be done, be honest. And so I learned so much. I felt like it really, for all of the self-published authors out there, I'm sure you guys know, can relate. It's definitely the barrier to entry is very hard for self-published authors but i do think though that more and more people are more open to self-published authors um and so more things are opening up for us in terms of opportunities for example the opportunity to speak at this conference in uh, october 2nd and also to uh, this opportunity to speak to you so i'm very grateful for it and it's definitely opening up but Compared to traditional published authors, there's still a lot to... uh, There's more improvements, I feel like, in terms of access and opportunity.
0: Would you say overall that you're... Well, it seems like that you're happy that you went with the self-publishing. Would you say you're happy with this? Yes,
1: I'm definitely happy with it. I am happy with it because I felt like the book, the, the final product that I have, is exactly what I had envisioned it. And I felt happy because I felt really connected to the book that me and my collaborators developed. And I'm also really happy because even though I'm self-published, in terms of cost, it wasn't that much. It was affordable. Beyond, like, we spent thousands of hours on the book and creating and developing it. But from a financial standpoint, it wasn't at all like what I had imagined it to be, to be this super expensive thing, which isn't the case at all, at least from my experience.
0: In general, are you getting good feedback about the book? Or have you been getting feedback?
1: Yes, I have. And a lot of the people that either bought the book through the website and a lot of them are friends of friends, so it's a lot of it's word of mouth to be honest and so they provided feedback so I've collected their feedback and we'll collate all of them and put them in a, in a nice uh, looking type of graphic and then yeah. put it on our website but the challenge with me is that because I'm not in Amazon right now although I'm thinking I'm going to be very soon once we finished all of our inventory we don't really get that immediate reveal that you would when you purchase on Amazon or other e commerce platforms that you can immediately do a review and then you can see. So, from that standpoint, the feedback that I've been getting have been really good. It's just that it's not what you would see in Amazon because we're not in an Amazon. Although I did get feedback from my ebook, that our ebook is in Amazon. Oh. And I got one, uh, yeah, one feedback, and it was really good. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that review.
0: That's great. Do you have plans to write any other books? Are you thinking now of what else you could be I, writing, or are you just focusing on this one right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually planning to write another book, and my focus areas are I like to write stories about social issues representing them in a way that is palatable and age appropriate and memorable for kids. So the other two that I'm I'm starting to put together is really around climate change and what that means and what they can do uh, what contribution they can do to prevent climate change. And then the second piece is really about mental health, it's about addressing what happens when you're sad, you know what happens when, you know, like you're scared or what happens when uh, stuff like that. And so those are the two topics that I'm working on today.
0: Just to ask, are you going to be returning to the jungle for it, or you you think you might be trying new settings?
1: I think I'm going to return to the jungle. So I want to, at least on one of the, the mental health one, I want to return to the jungle. And then climate change, that's going to be different because... I wanted it to be, so I'm Filipino. I came to the U.S. when I was 15, so I'm very much Filipino in terms of, like, culture and certain habits and thoughts and values. What I've noticed when I visited the Philippines the last time was that, you know, there's a lot of plastic and there's a lot of pollution and stuff like that. And I wanted to address that. And so I'm writing the book, like working on or at least leveraging Filipino folklore yeah. and then and then talking about climate change in that particular vantage point from a Filipino culture perspective or, you know, they believe in giants, for example, and they believe in like all of these supernatural creatures. And I want to play on that when I'm telling the story about taking care of your environment and why.
0: So also going with the colorful story stuff not the heavy sort of anxiety riddled sort of stories Uh, yeah okay
1: for sure like I I really want to stay away from that but at the same time really being able to tell the story the difficult and sensitive story in a way that's effective right so it could be a mix of colorful and fun but also some serious topics in some of the pages
0: yeah well very good so we always wrap up with the this fill in the blank question of I love it when it could be stories writers you know editors publishers, illustrators, whomever, I love it when they do X and I really don't like it when they do X. So choosing any one of those how would you fill in the blank for that? Yeah
1: I love it when I talk to other authors and illustrators and creators and thinking about them sharing their perspective in the way they develop and tell the story that is authentic to them and so it really excites me and it really inspires me because we tell stories from our unique vantage points and I feel that the end result is really compelling and it comes from a really a place of authenticity and creativity. I think it's beautiful. so I love it when that happens. So, you know, getting together with other creators, authors, illustrators, and having that talking and sharing stories is really helpful and meaningful for me. I don't like it when, as I mentioned earlier, I submitted my manuscript or I queried 70 different agents, and it was really deflating. It was really disheartening that they didn't even acknowledge that they received my oh, query letter, okay. and yeah. they just ignored it. And so, I mean, I assumed that they do not want to work with me in, in the project and, and in the book. But the rejection, that was a little painful when they didn't even acknowledge that you received it. So from that standpoint, I do like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of the hardest parts of querying is that because there's so much, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's true. That happens.
1: Yeah. And then you, you feel kind of like, did you receive it? Should I send you another show? But <laughs> right. then you know that they have, which is a way for, for them to reject it. But to be honest, it's kind of one of those that they probably received thousands and thousands of query letters. Right. And it's impossible to address all of it. So I get it. But It still doesn't feel good, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, there's not really a way around it, almost. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, very good. Ivy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for speaking with me.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity, Esther, and I really enjoyed talking to you and and sharing my journey, and hopefully it helps the listener to kind of reflect on their stories too and what their journey is like, because I'm sure there's some similarities and differences.
0: This was a bonus episode of Oh My Word Podcast featuring author Ivy Bird. To find out more about Ivy and her book, please check out the link in the episode notes. To find out more about Oh My Word Podcast and all the great stuff we're up to, please follow us on Instagram at Oh My Word Podcast. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Like, subscribe. Find out more about us at el 10 Music is by Tim Burke. Thank you so much for joining us. Catch you next time.